Local news, talk, sports, and the hits of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Kane 107.5. Good morning and uh, welcome to Bayou Sports here on a big Monday, January the 30th. And, uh, of course, if you're any kind of football fan at all, you know who's in the Super Bowl. Uh, so over the weekend, the Chiefs and the Eagles will meet in Super Bowl after winning on Sunday and making uh, just the 14th time uh, since the playoff seeding began in 75 that both number one seeds will play for the title. And if my memory serves me correctly, the Saints were number one, and so were the Colts back Absolutely. In-, in fact, they were both undefeated until the last few weeks of the season when they started resting people. They had already clinched home field advantage uh, in their respective conferences, and then uh, they all both lost two or three games. That's right. Uh, but, that's uh, right. They did. But then they went on to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah the Saints lost. Get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, the Saints lost three in a row, if my memory serves you right. Dallas beat them, I think, on a, was it a Monday night maybe game or a Sunday night game? Uh, I think it was like 28-21. The Saints had a chance to score late, but a Hail Mary did wasn't successful. Elsewhere uh, in that championship game, of course, uh, the AFC championship game, the late game, uh Last night, the Chiefs, uh, Bengals, 23-20. The scores were basically reversed from last year as the Bengals won by three. And that was the – was that – that wasn't the toss? The no, no, toss. that was the Buffalo-Cincinnati That's uh, right. game before Yeah, the week before. That. Yeah, and for the fourth time in four meetings between Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow, the game ended on a three-point victory. Only the difference this time, it was Mahomes who was on top. He was 29 out of 43 for 326 yards, two touchdowns, and he has not thrown uh, and not thrown 14 TDs in conference championships, passing Joe Montana for the second most all time. He's only 27 years old, mind you. Anyway, despite playing with a sprained ankle, Mahomes unleashed uh, one of his patented heroic scrambles to pick up the yardage needed. Well, it was a late hit. Oh, that guy. Same. That guy's got to be the worst feeling in the world, o- Osai. Mm-hmm. And, and while his teammates tried to console him, you, the, the post-game uh, comments, uh, it, was, it was tough to watch. Yeah. To see a big man like that. Just uh, break down. Yeah. You're right. Uh, I mean, and just you wonder what he was thinking, I guess, just trying to get uh, Mahomes he, out. He was thinking he had a chance maybe to keep him in bounds and keep the clock running. And he was just, he said, I, I, mean, I was in sprint mode. I was trying to keep him in bounds. And he says, I'm going to have to look at the film uh, to even see how far out of bounds we were. Uh, and and he, he seemed so sincere about those comments. But uh, I don't think he denied that it was uh, unnecessary. Yeah, and uh, not, I mean, just, well, you wonder if he'd have pulled up. Uh, of course, it basically helped win the game for the Chiefs as they got an additional 15 yards after a small pickup. And uh, but Butker had about a 40-yard, 40, 40... 45, I think it was uh, field goal. listed as. Yeah, and th- his range was uh, somewhere in the f- mid to low 50s, so um, at 15 yards. Yeah, big, so, big help. Oh, big time. Meanwhile, in the NFC Championship game, uh, the course the Eagles beat the 49ers and uh, just was a beatdown, I thought. And it turned into a dog of a game. Uh, just obviously when you're down to your fourth-string quarterback whose resume leads like, I, you know, I, I try to describe, I mean, there's like 17 uh, teams, <laughs> leagues, uh, uh, Los Angeles Express or something. I, I had no idea. What this guy, when a buddy of mine showed me, yeah, where'd this guy come from? And he's like everywhere. Yeah, and uh, he he was like everywhere with his throws, too. Oh, man. As the uh, Eagles just showed why they were the dominant team and was expected. You know, if, uh, if Purdy would have uh, remained in the game, um, I'm not so sure the 49ers could have won that game the way the Eagles' defense was playing. And it was a hard-fought battle. Purdy goes down, you know, injured in the first quarter, and his backup fourth stringer, Josh Johnson, was injured in the third. The wild stat of the game, San Francisco gained just 47 yards with two punts and two turnovers in the second half. Historic feat? Well, all four Eagles scores came on the ground, giving them 39 rushing touchdowns this season. That's the most in NFL history, surpassing the 1924 Frankfurt Yellow Jackets. And, uh, I don't know who that was. But anyway, uh, but you know, something else that, that this is uh, screwed uh, with regards to the rushing touchdowns. They're playing 
how many more games than they did back in uh, the 60s? They were playing 12 games a year and one conference championship, you know, for the NFL title. So that's uh, maybe they ought to score how many touchdowns per game they scored. Uh, that, oh, yeah. And, and, and again, we've added the 17th game now. You know, again, uh, you have to adjust those uh, stats. Yeah. To, you know, that's, I don't think that's necessarily the all-time rushing record. When you're playing how many more games? They've played 17 games plus two playoff games. I mean, uh, then they're going to play a third Super Bowl game. Anyway, uh, looking ahead to, to Super Bowl 57, uh, February 12th, State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona. And for the first time, it will feature two uh, black starting quarterbacks. And uh, slight favorites, the odds makers open up the line, pick them uh, Sunday night. Within an hour, the Eagles became a two-point favorite. Uh, also, uh, Philly versus uh, KC. This will be just the second postseason meeting between Philadelphia and Kansas City across four major sports. Okay, I was going to say, uh, yeah. it's got to be the first time. In. Uh, the Phillies beat the, over the Rawls, you know, 4-2 mm-hmm. to in the 80 World Series. And uh, the Big Red Bull, Andy Reid. Coach both teams, you know. Andy Reid was the coach that's of the Eagles. That's true. And, uh, good history. run with the Eagles. That's right. And he's, Four NFC title games. I don't think he won any of them. No, but. he didn't. Yeah. And he's the one win shy of tying Hank Stram as the winningest coach in Chiefs history. Of course, a little brotherly love here as uh, Jason, the Eagles center, and Travis Kelsey, the Chiefs tight end, will be the second pair of brothers to face off in the Super Bowl. Of course, the big ones were Jim and John Harbaugh. As coaches. That's right. And did so as coaches when the Ravens beat the 49ers in 13, when the lights went out in the Mm -hmm. dome. How long was the lights out? Half hour? About 20 minutes. Yeah, 20 minutes. But it it was just uh, enough time for me to get from point A to point B (laughs) on that particular night. The whole time, I didn't know why we left in the first place at halftime. And then it's like, come on, let's rush and get back. And then the lights go out, and it bought us a little time. Yeah, anyway, just uh, crazy uh, in that regard. Uh, of course, um, with those scores, uh, it's got to be an interesting matchup. We'll talk about that. Of course, the Super Bowl is not in two weeks. Um, interesting. But uh, quickly, just uh, way down yonder, of course, in Australia, Novak uh, Jokovic uh, defeated uh, Stephanus uh, Sitisipa. 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 Yeah, six three seven six uh, and four and seven six and five, and on Sunday to win his record, extending tenth Australian Open. So he's now uh, won twenty two major titles, moving back to a tie with uh, Rafael Nadal for the most all time with men. He also rem- reclaimed the number one ranking at thirty five years old, becoming the second oldest man to reach that height. Of course, Roger Federer at thirty six, the biggest victory of my life. He said and. Jokovic, uh, who has won five of the last seven majors he's played in. So uh, this was Jokovic's 33rd Grand Slam final appearance, uh, tying Serena Williams for second most in the open era. Only Chris Everett with 34 has more. So uh, in the meantime, um, elsewhere, just looking uh, at uh, some other info here. Uh, sticking, going with basketball just for a few minutes uh, uh, or keep an eye on the Raging Cajuns. They won again uh, Saturday night, 94 to 87 over uh, Georgia Southern. And uh, LSU, uh, boy, they're teetering uh, on uh, they're 12 and 9 right now, but they're 1 and 7 in the SEC. And I think they had an inner. We asked you about that the other day, other morning. You know, they were playing Texas Tech over the weekend, and that was a Big 12 SEC uh, crossover, I do believe. And uh, LSU had an opportunity, led. M- for 25 minutes of the Tech game, but uh, in the end, uh, Tech ended up uh, winning by eight, had a 10-point lead. I think LSU hit a three or a bucket late in the game to uh, keep it to that eight-point difference. But the Tigers are one in seven, 12 and nine overall. They don't play again, I think, until Thursday. Uh, they play Missouri uh, in that. Uh, but the big news tonight over in the PMAC. Uh, LSU women take on the Tennessee ladies in a big ball game. Uh, of course, LSU comes in 20-0, uh, the number four ranking in the country. Tennessee historically has been one of the top uh, women's teams in the country. It's an SRO crowd at the PMAC. So uh, there'll be, uh, what's a PMAC hole, maybe twelve, fourteen thousand 14,000, somewhere in that vicinity. Is uh, it that small? Yeah, it's not one of the bigger that uh, was built, what, uh, early 70s when they opened it up. Uh, the PMAC uh, complaining. I remember going to watch LSU play in the old uh, John Parker Agricultural build, Building uh, when they played Kentucky back in the day when Adolph Rupp was still on. 
Pete Maravich was a junior, senior the two years I went to watch him play Kentucky. Anyway, uh, so the ladies tonight uh, take on uh, Tennessee. Tennessee uh, uh, with a, a decent record. They're 16 and 7. LSU's 20 and 0. And uh, we'll see how uh, that uh, how the cards may fall tonight. Uh, LSU trying to uh, help, man. Looks like right now they'd even be a one or two seed uh, in the uh, playoffs, the NCAA playoffs, which begin and for the ladies probably about five or six weeks. So uh, big game uh, over in Baton Rouge tonight with the ladies. Oh, absolutely! And then uh, another big one in a couple of weeks, uh, Super Bowl Sunday at South Carolina. So yeah, uh, again, twenty and zero is great, but. Your big tests are coming up. That, that boy, you're right about that. South Carolina, the number one seed, defending national champion with the ladies. So, uh, elsewhere in basketball, the Pelicans, which looked like a great start to a good year, it wasn't that long ago. Back in the beginning of January, have now lost eight in a row, and the last ten, they're one and nine. Uh, they were humbled uh, over the uh, weekend and two losses to Minnesota and also to the Bucks. The Bucks beat them yesterday, 135 to 110. It was never a contest, as the uh, the Bucks started off early and uh, didn't look back. As uh, the the poor uh, Pelicans just uh, can't seem to find anything working for them right now. Yenis, I think, had uh, 50 points in that game. At least 50. I know uh, fifth of the year. I think I saw two. And Reddy only played 30 minutes. Oh Lord! And 50 points, 13 boards, uh, four assists. Uh, three turnovers, five personal fouls. Of course, he was 16, uh, uh, 20 out of 26 from the floor, seven out of 12 from the free throw line, and three out of four from the uh, three-point line. But seven out of 12, that's not so hot for the player he is. Elsewhere for the um, – and uh, Ingram didn't play again. He played that Wednesday night game uh, uh, five nights ago, but uh, didn't play the last two games, uh, leading the – um, the Pelicans in scoring was Alvarado uh, with Murphy with 16. Uh, Lewis with coming off the bench at 15. But uh, right now the uh, Pelicans just looking for any kind of breathing room right now with regards to uh, the schedule. And then uh, they don't play again until tomorrow night when they head to Denver to take on the 34-16 and 16 Denver team. And the Pelicans, which at one time was leading the uh, – Western Conference as the number one seed. They're one game above 500 right now. You know, now. if they can compete uh, up until the All-Star break, which is uh, the weekend after the Super Bowl, so like it's the 17th through the 20th or so, the All-Star break, you know, again, Zion Williamson's going to be reevaluated at about that time. And, you know, again, Ingram, hopefully he has a chance. Uh, but uh, – Get that all-star break behind you and maybe turn things around after it. Yeah, just uh, one thing after another, just uh, with the Pelicans, they just uh, – I watched a couple of their games. Uh, of course, it uh, seems like they get behind early and then try to make a fanatic a comeback. But uh, yesterday it was 37-19 after the first period, uh, you know, down by 18. <laughs> then they tie up in the next two quarters, uh, 25 points apiece. And then uh, get beat again in the fourth quarter, 29 to 22, uh, for a 135 to 110 loss to uh, the Bucks up in Milwaukee, and uh, just uh, nothing coming together for him right now. As uh, Coach Willie, uh, I guess he's got to look at uh, some things. Uh, hopefully, he can get Zion Williams back, but uh, it's going to be uh, a long year if he stays out any uh, longer. Uh, they, like I said, they've gone for the number one seed. To uh, I don't even know if they make the playoffs with that record right now. And um, well, now they've got that play-in tournament. I think ten teams from each conference now. Um, and what is it? The lower, ridiculous. The lower sided team has to win two out of three. Something like yeah, that. It's, yeah. it's something ridiculous in in that regard. Uh, so uh, Super Bowl uh, is ready. We've got uh, teams lined up. Um, as I mentioned, uh, that's going to be uh, the big picture. Um, as I mentioned, also Catholic High, I, I didn't see, yeah, Nish won, played Thursday night, I think, against right. Barb right. They, over in Lake Charles, and they still uh, only have one loss to my record last year through the course of this year. So uh, 
anyway, but we'll see how uh, that goes. And some lightning. Uh, Demar Hamlin uh, uh, released a video on Saturday to thank everyone for their support for the first time he's spoken publicly since going into cardiac arrest January the 2nd. And, you know, it's always good to see that, too, uh, Jeff, with that young man, what he went through and uh, his life being saved uh, with regards to the paramedics being on the field to uh, help him with uh, the cardiac arrest that he went through and all. So, uh, wow, uh, hats off to them for uh, keeping him alive. And don't know if he'll ever play football again, but at least he's alive. Yeah, I haven't heard of any hint one way or the other, if they've definitely ruled it out or it's still in limbo or, yeah, why not uh, at some point? Uh, that young man, you're right about that. So, elsewhere in the NBA, LeBron James was clearly fouled at the end of the regulation during the Lakers' overtime loss to the Celtics on Saturday, and uh, the refs missed it and later admitted they uh, made a mistake. Tough way to lose, but what they're saying, the best player on earth can't get a call, said Lakers coach Darvin Ham. It's amazing. Uh, elsewhere. Well, speaking uh, of calls missed, we didn't mention that in that Philadelphia cool, game. You're right. That uh, kept the drive alive, and it uh, obviously led to a touchdown and, I mean, a whole lot of other things. Uh, but but at that time, it was a pivotal time in the, the first game yesterday. And, again, Purdy getting hurt, uh, so many other things went south for San Francisco. But they didn't get much help from the officials, though, no, either. No, not at all. And uh, he uh, – yeah, he did. You know, the heads up to the Eagles uh, for getting together quickly and uh, lining up and snapping the ball. Oh, he even he, – he knew. He knew. I mean, he yeah, said, I think he come did. on, rushed us. Yeah, he, no was, other, he there, made some kind of hand signal, there, you there know. There is no reason to hurry up other than knowing that he had – I mean, it's early in the first quarter. I mean, uh, yeah. You no think the refs it. would have uh, kind of slighted and well, – and, and even uh, the San Francisco coaching staff, where were they not uh, – taking a look at that film no you're right about that so uh amazing and uh they took the lead seven nothing and never looked back as they score again to make it 14 nothing uh and uh the eagles uh uh moving right along they you know they have to be impressed that that's to me that's just good coaching in that regard and uh and as uh the philadelphia uh took advantage of that uh and Philadelphia pretty much dominated the game. I mean, they had the ball for over 37 minutes. Yeah. You know, and they, uh, their total yards were only 269. They rushed for 148, threw for only 121. Of course, San Francisco. I kept thinking McCaffrey was going to turn it around for them, that they would really lean on him. and uh, But it just, I mean, and there were times where it looked like it could have happened, but uh, eventually the defense just broke down. Yeah. And they, they, the offense didn't do enough to help the defense, for right. sure. Well, they couldn't they couldn't squander any yards at all. They had 83 passing and 81 rushing. And, uh, of course, they also had uh, three lost fumbles. Uh, you're not going to win many ball games. And they also had 11 penalties. It seemed like every time Philadelphia needed a break, they got a penalty mm-hmm. to continue the a drive. Yeah, and what about on the play where Purdy got hurt um, – I mean, if the fist pumped the ball forward, is that a forward pass or not? Yeah, at first, when I first saw the play, I thought it was a forward pass. His arm was coming forward. And the hand, maybe it was a little bit of the wrist, but it propelled the ball forward. I mean, you don't have to throw a pass with your hands on the threads. Right. You know, so I'm still not certain about that one either. Well, I, you know, Jesse would be great. Uh, Jesse <laughs> yeah. Dupuy back to uh, explain that one. That's right, with a uh, an official. Anyway, it's just about time to uh, take a break. You're listening to Bayou Sports got here. A, got a guest coming uh, up. Uh, Hale okay. Traha, head niche soccer coach, going to join us here in just a couple of minutes. All right. But anyway, you listen to Bayou Sports here on a big Monday, January 30th. We'll be back with a coach and more on Bayou Sports right after this. Hey guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Cane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. 
Is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one? Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with LA Classic Roofing. We're a third generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at LA Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. LA Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. The Corner Tavern is the premier spot for live music Thursday at Southern Jack, Friday DJ Rudy, and Sunday it's TK Hewlin along with Steve Adams. Remember, never cover at the Quarter Tavern. Quarter Tavern, recently named a top 10 bar in Louisiana by bestthingslouisiana.com. Quarter Tavern, 910 East May across from McDonald's. The best drink prices in DeBerry, domestic beer, just $2. Imports, $3 all day, every day, other than during bands and special benefits. 19 TVs has you covered for the big game and no bar with more outdoor seating. Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main. Nowadays, None of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadows. Now back to Bayou Sports on the all-new Kane 107.5. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on a big uh, Monday morning, January 30th, and we have a guest with us, uh, Jeff. Uh, maybe you go ahead and introduce him to our listening audience. Absolutely. My pleasure to welcome to the show, I, I believe for the first time, Hal Traha, head soccer coach, men's soccer coach uh, at New Iberia Senior High. Uh, first year in that role, correct? Yes, sir. T- tell us how you came about. So last year I was approached by uh, Casey Friend, who was the head coach last year, and he approached me about coming in and helping him coach the junior varsity. So I got started coaching this younger group of guys, and he uh, took a job at John Melvin University in Crowley uh, this off season. and he was like, man, the job's yours if you want it. You did a great job last year. So I got to – move up and start coaching some of the older guys that I hadn't had a chance to coach yet. And some of my younger guys are growing into, uh, you know, role players on the varsity side. So it's been a a pretty easy transition. You're not a full-time staffer at Nish. Tell us how that works as, uh, I guess, uh, full-time coach, but uh, part-time, not administrator, but uh, uh, associate to the school. Right, so we have a team administrator at NISH, Miss June Bork. She does a great job. She handles all of our business with the school, with the school board, with the parish, lining up buses, getting things coordinated with the school. So I basically just have to come in and kind of focus on coaching the team. Uh, I own my own electrical contracting company by day, and then soccer is my fun job mm-hmm. after work. There you so. go. So tell us about uh, this season, uh, how it compared to last season as an assistant and then assuming the uh, head coaching yeah so there's a whole lot of um i guess leadership uh tasks that i wasn't really used to as the jv coach that kind of fell on casey's shoulders last year that um i got a awakening on this year but you know it's all been good it's been a lot of work but it's it's fulfilling it's a very fulfilling role to um, be an influence in these kids' lives and see them progress as soccer players and young men. So, Not everybody plays soccer, um, but it's growing. Uh, what percentage of uh, high schools, especially at the – and I know you play different divisions than Class A, B, whatever the case may be, 5A, uh, as Nish is a 5A school in most other sports. Tell us how that works out. Yeah, so I'd say most high schools in the area have a team or have had a team. The only school locally in, you know, the 30-mile radius that I've heard of that doesn't have a team, Abbeville had one, but they just they don't have enough kids, so they just dropped out. And I don't believe Franklin has a team. But we have three teams in New Iberia. Highland just started a team this year. They weren't part of the LHSAA, but they will be next year. Um most, if not all, of your Lafayette Parish schools have them. Uh, North Vermilion, Vermilion Catholic, ERAF, and Vermilion Parish. So, you know, there's a lot of kids. When you go out any Saturday across Acadiana, 
the soccer fields are packed. It's a very fast-growing sport, and a lot of kids play. And one of my main goals in, in New Iberia is that I want to kind of help raise the level of the youth game to where once those kids do get to high school, we're more prepared to compete with the teams in our district. Okay. How about uh, divisions? How are they set up? Yeah, so it's Division One through 4. Okay. Um, generally, it, it follows the A system, but some teams play kind of up, some teams kind of play down. Um, so, you know, uh, Nish, uh, Lafayette High, Acadiana, those schools, we're all Division One. Your Division Two is St. Thomas Moore, Westgate, 4A size schools, Turlings. Um, three is like your St. Martinvilles, and then four is like your Catholic highs and ESAs. Gotcha. So how do we do this year? Tell us uh, about the season, how it broke down. So this year it's been, it's been up and down. You know, I came in, uh, I asked the boys to kind of play a different style than what they're used to, different formations. Uh, we kind of adjust to our opponent with what formation we're going to play. So there's some key players on my team who I know are very smart players that can play different roles. Um, so I've asked them to do a lot tactically, and it's been kind of up and down. Um, we've had some games where we played really well against some really good teams, and we've had some games where we don't play very well against, you know, average teams. But, you know, it's expected when, uh, when my younger guys, who I've been coaching since ninth grade that were on my junior varsity last year, are older, hopefully – we as a unit can play a little more consistently because that's, that's what I preach to them. It's like, guys, if we go out and play our game, we'll be in it every game. But it's a lot of the mental side when you're dealing with 16-, 17-, and 18-year-olds that kind of uh, – that's where your inconsistency comes into play when they're not fully locked in or when they're emotional about calls or the other team or the other fans and, you know – it's been frustrating at times, but rewarding at others. You know, World Cup uh, played, and, you know, that always garners some additional interest in soccer or football, as um, everybody else calls it. But um, how, how do you judge uh, the, the reception of soccer uh, now compared to 10 years ago? So I'd say, you know, most of, most of my players watch professional soccer at some level. You know, I have a few Hispanic kids who have grown up watching the Mexican Premier League. I've got a bunch of uh, my kids who are, you know, born and raised Cajun that watch English Premier League every weekend. You know, there's a lot of a lot of kids now with with streaming, with all these different contracts that these Mm -hmm. leagues have with Mm -hmm. ESPN and all these places. There's a lot of soccer to watch. When I was in high school, there really wasn't a lot of soccer to watch unless you bought like the soccer package on your cable provider. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of my guys watch. We watched the USA England World Cup game at my house. I made some burgers and we had like 30 kids piled into my garage. So, you know, it's uh it's definitely growing on the entertainment side as well. For folks who are familiar with that, how does the high school game differ as far as working in um players um, you know, uh coming in off the bench um, uh, or is it your main 11 guys or how many extra guys do you work in? Yeah. So in the professional game, usually you're limited to three subs a game. So, which is pretty small. Yeah. Those, those 11 guys, they're running around for almost two hours and then you tactically sub in, maybe uh, get fresh legs. If you need to score a goal, get fresh legs on the defense. If you're trying to keep the other team from scoring, whereas the high school game, you have unlimited subs, but it's kind of a, uh, a gentleman's agreement with the referees and the other team because a lot of teams, you know, if you're trying to hold on to a league, you can just sub constantly at the end of the game, and the ref will sometimes just tell you, like, cool it on the subs. But we have, we have probably 12 or 13 guys that start semi-regularly, you know, nine or ten that start every game, and then three or four that, depending on the formation we play, depending on the strengths of our opponent, we might have some guys who are a lot more uh, tactical and skilled, but they're not as athletic. And then we have some kids who are very athletic, but they may not be as skilled. And depending on the opponent, what they look like, what the scouting report brings back, you know, we'll, 
we'll rotate those guys into a starting lineup, and then we have about 16 or 17 that'll play, you know, just to give minutes, give a guy a break, get some fresh legs on the field. So I'd say it's probably about 16 or 17 that uh, regularly play varsity minutes at some capacity. Gotcha. Speaking of minutes, I, I, I get frustrated watching soccer and the overtime, or not the overtime, well, I, I'm not in love with overtime either, but um, I, I get it at the pepperplex why the official might keep time on his uh, stopwatch, but why at the professional level can't they just stop the clock when there's a stoppage? I'm not sure. Uh, you know how that goes with anytime there's a rule change in the NFL or the NBA, the, the referees union is always like trying to keep as much uh, digitization out of officiating. You know, you see it with umpires in baseball mm-hmm. now. They, they don't like the, you know, the computer animated strike zone and stuff like that. So it's just it's kind of a, a something from the past that they're kind of holding on to. But in the World Cup, they were given like – usually in a professional game is four, four to five, five minutes. Yeah. And then in the World Cup, they were given like Eight 15 to 10, minutes yeah. in some games. But that was from up top. They were like, y'all are going to play the full 90. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, I, 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 Tony and I have both broadcast soccer – and that's one of the frustrating things. You you want to know how much time is left. You want to be able, especially on the radio, where you don't have the the graphics uh, to to put up that they do on TV. And it's kind of just frustrating. And uh, you got to explain the overtime rule too. Okay, so <clears throat> I I get frustrated with the two at the high school level because we've had we had a game this year where we were tied with a really good team going into stoppage time and the ref just let the game keep dragging keep dragging 5 minutes, 6 minutes, 7 minutes until the other team finally got a penalty kick and beat us and right when we kicked the ball amazing, off, was amazing. Over. Yeah. Yeah. But uh so the overtime rules in the regular season there's no overtime. Okay. There used to be overtime in district but there's not anymore. It just ends in a draw. Um but in the, the playoffs, I think there's two, like, 10-minute overtime periods, and then there might be a five-minute golden goal period where it's a sudden death. If you score, you win, and then it goes to penalty kicks. Gotcha. And, again, I would like to see just one sudden death overtime and then the kicks. And, and again, why do we call them penalty kicks when they're not penalty kicks? Well, in the game, it's a penalty exactly, kick. Exactly. But, but at the end of the game, it's not. But I guess it's it's a free kick at the penalty kick line. <laughs> so they, they just I, I know <laughs> they, these are things well beyond your control, but I'm like, it's just frustrating. Anyway, Hale, appreciate you coming by. Before we let you go, though, uh, playoffs, tell us uh, your situation. Yeah, so today's the last day of the regular season. You're not playing, but others are. Yes, yeah. We're not playing, but there's other teams that we've played that are playing that could affect our power ranking. Right now we sit at 31. We're seated to play uh, St. Paul's out of Covington in the first round. Um, That would be, what, Thursday or Friday? We have until Sunday to play the game. So once once the bracket's set, then you contact the other coach, you line up the game, and uh yeah, right now we're just kind of waiting and seeing. It's you know it's very tight, especially in D one. You know, in D four you might have forty or fifty total schools competing for thirty two spots, whereas in D one there's a whole lot more schools competing for those playoff slots. So, you know, we've had a lot of ups and downs this season, but the fact that we're in the conversation to get into the postseason is a mark of a, a pretty successful year. There you go. You're familiar at all with how Westgate, Catholic High, some other area teams are doing? Yeah, so the the Nish girls are having a really good season. I think they're number 15 or 16 right now. Um, I've watched a few of their games this year. You know, they're doing a really good job. Um, Westgate kind of had a tough season this year. I don't think they they played as well as they probably hoped. and then I haven't I haven't really kept up with uh, Catholic High that much, so yeah. Other than the Nish girls, it's I been understood. Kinda... Understood. You know, it's it's bad enough having a full time job and then uh, on top of this and then 
try to keep up with everybody else. So there you go. Yep. Hale, appreciate you coming by today. Best of luck uh, in your postseason run. Appreciate it. You bet. Uh, once again, Hale Traha, head coach, soccer coach at New Iberia Senior High for the men. And I guess we are ready to take a break. 47 minutes after 7 o'clock, our Mellow Joy coffee time. My More Bayou sports coming up. Landry has been traveling around District 49 talking to friends and neighbors about bringing prosperity and economic freedom to all our citizens. As we visited with thousands of people across our great district, many asked, how can we get involved in moving our district forward? Join us by going to jacoblandryforlouisiana.com where you can easily sign up and join our campaign. Go to jacoblandryforlouisiana.com and register now to join us. Pay for by the Jacob Landry for Louisiana campaign. Hey guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Cane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadows. Hi, this is Boxcar Bajlow inviting you to join me and PGA Golf Professional Teddy Slyman for Chip Shots. Mondays from 5 to 6 p.m. we'll take an in-depth look at the local, state, and national golf scenes. And we invite you to chip in with your calls at 367-1240. Chip Shots is sponsored by the Coca-Cola Bottling Company, GolfBalls.com, and our local golf clubs, Eagle Ridge, Kane Row, and Sugar Oak. So let's make it tea time for 5 p.m. on Mondays for Chip Shots on Kane. Stream us live on Kane1240.com and catch the podcast the next day. Now back to Bayou Sports. Phone lines are open to talk sports at 367-1240. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on a big Monday, January the 30th. As uh, a lot going on, of course, we heard from uh, Hale with uh, the Nish uh, boys. Uh, Good luck to them. Uh, Hopefully uh, they can uh, make a little run into the playoffs. And, uh, of course, St. Paul's... uh, if he's number 31, St. Paul's ought to be number two, Jeff. Is that correct how it works out in a 32-team yeah, exactly, bracket? exactly. So and I'm sure he's got a journey to uh, Covington to take on the, the Wolves of and St. Paul. number one Catholic of Baton Rouge. Uh, yeah. So it, it's uh, one or the other. It's not going to be an easy That's right. road to hoe. Of course, the way he talked, uh, if uh, they stand a little bit better than the teams uh, around them, then if they would happen to lose tonight, he feels that, Maybe move up a spot or two. Time will tell. Uh, meanwhile, uh, NBA action. Tonight's doubleheader uh, on TV. The Lakers at the Nets. Uh, Kyrie Irving's averaging 27. I guess they're letting allow him to play in New York this year. Anyway, he's averaging 27-3 a game, 10th in the league. LeBron James is uh, 30.2 a game, 6th in the league. But he's out tonight. Uh, Hawks at the Trailblazers come on late, uh, 9 o'clock, I guess. Damian Lillard is averaging 30 a game alone. He's 7th in scoring. Trey Young, 27-2, is 12th. Uh, more games to watch on the men's side tonight in college basketball. Number 7, Virginia is at Syracuse. That's on ESPN at 6 tonight. Number 17, Baylor at number 10, Texas. That's on at 8 on uh, ESPN. Of course, a little hockey news. Uh, the Blues at the Jets uh, tonight. Uh, uh, they show an 8 p.m. That might be 7 our time. Elsewhere uh, in women's college basketball, we talked about it a little bit earlier, Tennessee journeys to, to the PMAC to take on number four LSU, and that game will be on tonight at 6 on ESPN2. Uh, meanwhile, um, in other news, of course, uh, the AFC championship game uh, won by a quarterback named Patrick Mahomes uh, over Joe Burrow and Tom Brady. Uh, over or Peyton Manning uh, with uh, championships, who's won them? Anyway, uh, you know, it almost if Joe Burrow could have pulled it out, Jeff, it would have been Alabama with uh, <laughs> Mr. Hertz and uh, Joe Burrow with LSU uh, in the Super Bowl. Could have been an interesting matchup there. In no that no doubt. Uh, elsewhere, um, uh, just a little uh, teaser here. Who was the last quarterback besides those four to win an AFC title game? Uh, and you realize it that. 
that uh, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Tom Brady, or Peyton Manning, they, they uh, won a lot of uh, championship games. Uh, I'll give you the answer to that. Not going to make people uh, wait. Joe Flacco is the trivia answer to that. Uh, and he's kind of disappeared, too. You know, Jeff, well, he, he, he went from up, the Ravens. He ended up playing a little bit for the Jets uh, toward the end of the season. That quarterback roulette that they were rolling uh, late in the season. But, yeah, Flacco, um, yeah, he's playing out that eight-year contract. <laughs> that has to be just about done. That's right. That's right. He signed that huge after they won the Super Bowl. He signs that huge contract, and he never really was the same after that. Well, you're right. You're right too. Uh, anyway, just uh, of course, um, we've got a few more minutes here in the third segment of Bayou Sports. Uh, you know, I, I, Jeff, I'm looking at articles over the weekend with with regard to Sean Payton. I'm not so sure Sean Payton might have talked himself out of a few jobs too. And that's what it looks like right now. He, he still isn't a head coach. Of course, the Panthers have hired a coach. Uh, so we're now down to uh, four teams without a coach in Arizona, Denver, uh, along with Houston. And uh, help me uh, with uh, Arizona. Arizona, yeah, with the fourth coach. So uh, anyway, anyway, you know, he's asking for 15 to $20 million a year. And, you know, he had hitched his wagon a little bit to Vic Fangio, and Fangio now is taking the D.C. job at Miami. Yeah. So little by little, it seems to be eroding for him the window of opportunity. Uh, and I'm not sure if he isn't telling people, hey, look for jobs elsewhere because I don't know if I'm going to land. Yeah, and there's still talk that he might be uh, as a journalist uh, or I should say an analyst. He seems to be well-received at Fox. Yes, and uh, Peyton had reportedly told teams that it would only take a first-round pick, one first-round pick, in order to hire him, to hire him. The Saints still own Peyton's rights because of his contract ran through through 2024, a season when he stepped down as the team's head coach. It appears that New Orleans' asking price could prevent a team from hiring him, so hiring Peyton would be costly. You know, the Saints, I'm trying to think that uh, they're looking for two number ones. Uh, in that regard, will they get it's, it? It's tough to get two number ones because not everyone's going to have two number ones. That's right. You know, that's, but, but if you can get them, yeah, obviously. Well, they, great, I but. might even say, well, we'll take the one this year and one next year. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, uh, but the Saints compensation, Peyton's new team, as I mentioned earlier, likely as a head coach, $20 million. I mean, I'm trying to think who's the highest paid NFL coach right now is what, in the 12, maybe 13 uh, area of uh, uh, salary a year? Anyway. Uh, and, and we've walked through this before, but, you know, the idea, did he win a Super Bowl? Yeah. Did he have some solid success? Yeah. A couple of tough losses in the playoffs, but still not a lot of wins That's right. in the postseason. And you got to look at that, too, and think. Twenty million, I, I I just don't know. Yeah, and you know sometimes offensively, uh, I and again felt, Drew Brees factor. Thank you. you. Know. And I just felt sometimes he could be a little too cute, you know, with play calling, you know, with an end around on your ten yard line and things like that. So uh, I could still see Bill Parcells when he was offensive coordinator with the Dallas Cowboys, uh, Sean Payton and Parcells turned to him in a game. Okay, what you got? What what, what, what you got? You know, uh, kind of belittling him a little bit uh, with his play calling. But uh, anyway, uh, the the with four teams needing a head coach after the conclusion of this regular season, Peyton was the league's most sought-after candidate. Of course, the Broncos, Texans, uh, uh, all had reportedly been willing to send the Saints uh, one first-round pick as compensation for Peyton. And the uh, former Saints coach had been linked to almost every opening. And the Panthers' vacancy uh, no longer exists after they hired uh, Indianapolis coach, head coach Frank Wright to fill the uh, position. So uh, with that, um, Peyton and uh, how things are going to go, who knows. But the way it's going right now, Jeff, uh, I think he's going to be back at Fox at doing uh, more uh, – analytics with the NFL on uh, some of these uh, shows during the course of the year. Sure looks like it. The pay is pretty good, I'm sure. And, you know, there's not a lot of stress in that regard, uh, setting up each uh, Monday for another team. Uh, so time will tell. But um, You just wonder, too, uh, again, was the, the right job available and for him? And that's why I think he's reaching for the sky as far as uh, compensation. Because maybe really the right job isn't there. So it, for me to not take 
the job in L.A. or, you know, the, the dream job that he was looking at with the dream quarterback uh, maybe to uh, uh, help tootle. And again, you know, knowing what he did with Drew Brees, he maybe recognizes you need some special uh, talent to, to, to really achieve great things. And maybe he just doesn't see it out there yet. Yeah, well, you know, speculation that or one Dallas. time. Uh, yeah, that was also. But, you know, with uh, – with uh, McVeigh at uh, with the Rams, you know he kept talking about he wanted too much stress. He thought about retiring, and of course uh, with San Diego, excuse me, Los Angeles, the uh, Chargers, there was uh, also talk about that. But uh, uh, you know those teams would be high option uh, for Peyton with, with uh, the quarterbacks uh, uh, they had. So um, who knows? Uh, but McVeigh's still in there as uh, the coach along with uh, the coach of the uh, Chargers. Yeah, Staley's still in there. Of course, he's got a – They uh, both have a bunch of changes oh, yes. on their coaching staffs, uh, but it wasn't them. It wasn't the head coach's that's problem. Right. That's right. So you wonder uh, how that's all going to play out uh, in the next uh, – you know, with four teams still seeking a coach. Uh, was the Arizona job a job Peyton wants? I'm not sure. Uh, Broncos don't have a number one pick. Uh uh, Houston does. I think Houston has two picks. I don't think they're willing to give up two picks for Peyton. And this talk of speculation of who might be their next coach. And, of course, uh, last but not least, uh, uh, with the other job with the co- uh, with the Colts. So uh, uh, they're still looking for a coach. And, you know, a lot of the – you don't hear anything about the Rooney rule either well, with uh, some of these jobs. You, you, you know? have – and, you know, uh, the guy who got passed over in Carolina – did a reasonable job at, at, as the interim. Uh, I think he was six and six, and he said, "Yeah, disappointed, but uh, but I'm not uh, disheartened." I yeah. guess you it looks, know what's it? D'Amico Ryan with uh, with San Francisco, their defensive coordinator might be leaning towards that Houston job too. Is what it looks like right now. There was a lot of speculation about uh, once the 49ers were out or played through the Super Bowl. He would be a good candidate for the Houston job. He played there for many years. Yeah, too. that's the question. Uh, what are these four teams waiting for? Who is still uh, alive? Um, uh, okay, now that San Francisco and Cincinnati have been eliminated, are there uh, guys on those staffs who are ready to uh, take a job now? Anyway, uh, of course, uh, speculation. That's all uh, anybody can do right now. Uh, and, uh, you know, we all know Peyton interviewed with, I think, four of the five teams that didn't have a coach. Uh, so, anyway, uh, he uh, maybe set his terms a little bit too high or, you know, do uh, – but he, he talked to him and, uh, and like you said, maybe it just wasn't the job he was seeking out. Uh, and he's probably – and, you know, he mentioned more than once it was looking at stability with ownership and also with the front office with two big calls for him. I don't think he'd find that with uh, the four teams he might have interviewed with right now. So. Certainly, I wouldn't think Arizona, L.A., the Chargers, that is, and Houston. I don't consider those the most stable of franchises. That's right. Yeah, the Broncos just tr- were sold recently uh, to one of the Waltons, and uh, we'll see. Pa- Peyton, uh, he's no dummy. He's he's a good coach, and he demands a lot of his players, too, uh, uh, competitive-wise, I can still see him hollering at players coming off the field. Uh, I want to see some competition. Uh, I want to see you be competitive. You know, he'd get in their face and tell them that, too. And, uh, of course, he had to chew his Wrigley's uh, spearmint gum, too. You know, or uh, Juicy Fruit. Excuse me, Juicy Fruit. Remember during the Super Bowl, he had an assistant running around looking for sticks of uh, Juicy Fruit gum. Anyway, uh, we probably need to go ahead and take another break here. Uh, you're listening to Bayou Sports here on a big Monday morning, January 30th. We'll be back with more and today in sports history right after this. The Quarter Tavern is the premier spot for live music Thursday at Southern Jack. Friday, DJ Rudy and Sunday, it's TK Hewlin along with Steve Adams. Remember, never cover at the Quarter Tavern. Quarter Tavern, recently named a top 10 bar in Louisiana by bestthingslouisiana.com. Quarter Tavern, 910 East May across from McDonald's. The best drink prices in DeBerry Domestic Beer, just $2 imports, $3 all day, every day, other than during bands and special benefits. 19 TVs has you covered for the big game and no bar with more outdoor seating. Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main. Is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one? Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with L.A. Classic Roofing. We're a third-generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. 
We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. I am Jacob Lander, and I'm tired of seeing Louisiana fumble away good-paying jobs to our neighbors across the Sun Belt. That's why I'm running for state representative of District 49, because bringing opportunity back to Louisiana is a touchdown for all of us. As your next state representative, I will work hard to expand vocational training programs so that all of our people can have the tools to succeed. I am Jacob Landry, and I am a proven job creator. All I need is your support and your vote. Paid for by the Jacob Landry for Louisiana campaign. What does the 50th anniversary of Title IX mean? It means I'm valued. I'm empowered. I can do anything. It means I'll pave the way for every girl who plays high school sports in the future. Just like every female student, coach, official, and administrator blazed the trail for me. Because every student deserves the opportunity to play. Encourage girls you know to participate in Louisiana high school sports. This message presented by the LHSAA and the Louisiana High School Athletic Directors Association. Now back to Bayou Sports on the all-new Kane 107.5. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on a big Monday morning here for our fourth segment here. And uh, I saw this article. I always like to look at this and just shake my head that uh, a report came out that Nick Saban revealed that uh, a former starter asked for a half million dollars helping uh, his getting his girlfriend into law school. And, of course, Nick Saban isn't pulling his punches when speaking on the demands that college athletes are making uh, regarding the NIL deals. And uh, indisputably, the uh, combination of both the NIL and the NCAA transfer portal have severely changed the recruiting game. And speaking at a, a 18th annual Alabama Football Coaches Association convention, Saban touched on many topics, including revealing that a former Alabama starter made some uh, fascinating demands uh, to remain with the Crimson Tide. He didn't say any names, but, yep, uh, he did talk about a kid who wanted to get his girlfriend into law school at Alabama and pay for it. Of course, the ALFCA president, Terry Curtis, said per Glenn Gilbo, of OutKick, uh, he was explaining that that tells you where his uh, NIL and transfer portal are going. I thought he made an excellent point. It's uh, crazy when some kids are asking for. Coach Saban was talking about how frustrating it is to deal with the NIL and the portal and how there needs to be some sort of ground rules. And, of course, you know, last year he and Jimbo Fisher got into an argument. Uh, He called Jimbo Fisher buying his players uh, through the NIL. And, of course, Jimbo made a remark about Saban. But, uh, anyway, uh, here and there, alas, Gilbo theorized the – that the player was Javian Cohen, a former Alabama uh, offensive starting lineman who took his talents to Miami via the NCAA transfer portal this offseason was the athlete Saban was speaking of. Saban didn't name any of the players he lost, but Alabama did lose starting uh, left guard Javian Cohen, who transferred last December to Miami, which does have a law school. Wrote Gilbo Cohen, a four-star signee out of Phoenix City, Alabama in 2020, started regularly in the 21 and 22 season for the Crimson Tide. And Gilbo spoke to multiple people in attendance, including the organizational president and a Mobile, Alabama-based football coach named Steve Norman, who each confirming the topic Saban discussed at the private event. He did mention that Norman said that per outkick, I don't know for sure if that ever happened, but it's where we're going with the portal and the NIL. Additionally, Saban spoke to regarding the recruits Alabama passed on due to their immense wishes, although he didn't name any names in the process. Someone with one of the best corners in the nation in high school came to me and asked if we'd pay them 800000 for a player to sign here. I told him he can find another place to play. Saban said, uh, per Norman via Gilbo, I'm not paying a kid a bunch of NIL money before he earns it. In response to Gilbo, wondered if uh, perhaps uh, Carmine uh, McLean, a star defensive back who re- recruited, committed to Miami before later joining coach Deion Sanders at Colorado was the one Staben alluded to. Make no bones about it. Uh, NIL and the NCAA transfer portal have changed the game. College football isn't the same, and Nick Saban recognizes that. 
whether that's regulated in the future remains to be seen, but it's the wild world we're living in at the moment, too. And, Jeff, as we both know, uh, the NIL is just uh, you're seeing these numbers being thrown out to certain players. In Miami, I think there was someone down there who offered each player like uh, $6,000 a year uh, uh, with the Miami football team and uh, one of those rich millionaires down in Miami way, but uh, it has changed the game a lot. But I think Saban's right. I'm not going to pay a kid, you know, uh, $800,000, and he hadn't done anything for me yet. Yeah, and, and again, make the com- and you've made these comments before uh, with Coach Indust, you know, earn what it is you're making. Uh, you know, if uh, you're a pitch man for a local car dealership, earn money that would normally be given to someone to do that same job. That's right. Not uh, thousands more. Yeah, you know, I mean, if an actor, times you pay more. an actor $10,000 to do a 30-second spot for you, uh, that's what you should be given uh, if you're uh, doing some job for Joe Smith Alumni's uh, car dealership. And, that, and that's why I hope eventually capitalism will level this out and that people are not going to spend what they don't think they're getting back for what they're spending yeah and it's 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 an issue too uh just 20 miles down the road you can see how there was cherry picked uh the ul football team that uh came into uh this past year as uh uh coach coach napier took a few players with him that he recruited and uh Others, a couple went to Baton Rouge, to LSU. One went to Kansas. Uh, so uh, some of that team was cherry-picked through the course of the year, and some of their better players, too, for that matter. And uh, anyway, it's just you wonder uh, if there was an NIL deal that had to come into play with that. So in the meantime, um, college football, college sports, um, the NIL, uh, name, image, and likeness has uh, really changed the uh, recruiting circles. You're seeing some coaches uh, not going that way, and then you see them going to the transfer portal to find players to fill needs. You wonder if the high school kids will get opportunities or they have to go the junior college route. Not sure. Well, we'll see how it all breaks out. Of course, one thing to mention before we head today in sports history, come Wednesday morning is another signing date, the national signing date for colleges throughout the country. And we'll see, uh, keep an eye on LSU, uh, UL, and other schools around the state where some of our local kids might end up um, come that day. So uh, we'll watch and see what takes place Wednesday, National Signing Day, February 1st. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, uh, today in sports history, uh, in that regard, uh, today, today, January 30th, on 1924, on this day, Great Britain clinched the inaugural Olympic curling gold medal with a 46 to 4 win over France in uh, the Chimney Games. Uh, that's the first Winter Games ever. And uh, I know a lot of people I know like that curling game. Watch those discs slide down on the ice and the brushing with the brooms and all. It's pretty interesting, too. Elsewhere on this date, 1936, the new owners of the baseball's Boston Braves uh, survey the paper, and journalists pick a new team name known as the Bees. The Bo- and that's a nationally, that's not the Red Sox. Uh, they became known as the Bees, but 1940, uh, they returned to the Braves. Of course, the Braves have moved to Milwaukee in 53, then Atlanta in 66. 1958, uh, Major League Baseball Commissioner Ford Frick announces that players and coaches rather than fans will vote on selections for the All-Star game. Of course, the fans got it back in 1970, but the Cincinnati fans uh, just filled the ballot box with players, and I think they had seven Cincinnati Reds started for the, uh, were going to start for the All-Star team, but uh, the commissioner pulled a few of them and put in the uh, – the, the right players, I think Musial was one that uh, was put in along with Willie Mays and some mm. others. <laughs> but they had seven. And all you have is uh, nine players and one's a pitcher that they, the manager usually designates. So, uh, anyway, uh, of course, he returned to the fans in 1970. And they still stuff in the ballot boxes, but there's enough votes out there <laughs> to offset that. Yeah, you know, I, I don't like the fact that you can vote, like, every day. You know, you, you it recognizes uh, your IP address, and it limits you to one, but you can, one, vote for multiple devices, and two, just the idea. You know, it used to be you'd get a ballot at the ball game. That's right. And you, you, it's like you almost had to be a fan to, to vote. And, 
you kind of earned uh, that opportunity to vote because you went to games. And yeah, and you know it was also too that uh, I want to pick. The, I want to see the best players, so I'm going to pick out who I think are the better players that I want to see play. I just don't want to pick any Tom, uh, Dick, and Harry to watch play. So, uh, and, and maybe maybe they start the voting too soon, and maybe they should wait a little longer to start the vote and. Put less players on the ballot, yeah, so that uh, there's less ridiculousness. And you can always write in someone, you know. Yeah. And I think Steve Garvey, I think, was the first write-in ballot back with the Dodgers in the early '70s uh, to make an All-Star team or a start. Seem to remember that. Yeah, yeah I want to see '74 somewhere in there, '73. Anyway, on this date, in 1968, the NFL draft was held, and uh, Ron Yeri from USC was the first pick of the Minnesota Vikings. Boy, and he played a long time with that Viking team, too. Those teams of uh, the late 60s into the 70s, they all played a long time. Yeah, you're right. Mick Tinglehoff is another one that comes mm-hmm. to mind, too. Uh, and this date in 1971, the UCLA uh, starts an 88 basketball game winning streak. And uh, the, the, the kicker in that, the, the – the last team UCLA uh, lost to before they began that streak was Notre Dame, and Notre Dame ended that streak uh, a few years later. Uh, and that uh, Sidney Wicks and them won that first uh, UCLA team, and then Bill Walton uh, his senior year when they were defeated and had a ten point lead late, and with two minutes left to go in the game, and, and Notre Dame uh, ended up beating uh, the the, uh, the Bruins. On this date, nineteen seventy three NFL Draft, John Matuzak from the University of Tampa was the first pick by the Oilers, and we'll talk about him uh, more uh, later on. Uh, in 1982, the WBC Super Welterweight champion, Wilfred Benitez of Puerto Rico, defeats legend Roberto Duran of Panama in a 15-round battle. Of course, Duran was the Nomas, Nomas fighter against Sugar Ray. Sugar Ray. Anyway, also in this date, 1983, in the Rose Bowl, the Washington Redskins beat the Dolphins. Uh, 27 to 17, MVP of the game was the Diesel, John Riggins, on that big run he made late in the game to secure the victory for the uh, Redskins. On this date in 1994, Super Bowl, uh, let's see my math here, 28 in the Georgia Dome, the Cowboys beat the Buffalo Bills 30 to 13, MVP of the game, Emmett Smith, of course, a fine running back from the Cowboys. On this date in 1996, future Hall of Famer Magic Johnson comes out of a five-year retirement to the Lakers to secure a win over Golden State at the Forum. He had 19 points, eight rebounds, 10 assists. Of course, that was when uh, aid, the the uh, virus uh, was coming around for AIDS, and uh, people were just not really knowledgeable how uh, contagious that was or how it worked. Elsewhere in this date in 2000, in another Super Bowl game, uh, Super Bowl 34, in the Georgia Dome again, the Rams beat the Tennessee Titans on that desperation last stretch by that Titan wide receiver, MVP of the game, Kurt Warner of the uh, Rams. Also in this date in 2002, Carl Malone becomes the second player in NBA history to s- score 34,000 career points in an 18-point win over the Chicago Bulls. He trailed only Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at the time, who had 38,000. I think that uh, LeBron James is heading that way to pass up Abdul-Jabbar's uh, career scoring record. 2018, the Houston, James Harden, highest-scoring triple-double in NBA history, 60-10 and 11 assists as the Rockets beat the Magic 114-107 in Houston. Birthdays today, boy, sad one here. 1957, born on this day, Payne Stewart. Of course, the uh, United States uh, golfer who won the Open in 91-99, the PGA in 89. Born in Springfield, Missouri. Of course, his life ended tragically. Uh, with an airplane uh, dropping into the uh, Atlantic Ocean, just like uh, Bo Ryan, the LSU coach, had mm. never coached a game for the Tigers back in 1980. The quote of the day, I'm going to go to uh, John Matuzak. You know, he was sloth. A lot of people don't realize that. He got into acting. He was sloth on the Goonies. And, of course, his famous line, hey, you guys. <laughs> of course, he rips off his regular T-shirt with Superman being exposed and ripping down the sail with a knife. Uh, one of my favorite movies with the Goonies uh, back in the 80s. Uh, and his, his first major role, I didn't know that. He was in North Dallas 40. Yes. I, didn't, I forgot about that. There are a he, couple of uh, ex-pros in that movie. Yeah, he was also in One Crazy Summer, too, uh, in that movie with the sailboat with John. Uh, oh, I can't think of his name offhand, but uh, the crazy ones in that movie. And uh, 
John Matuzak, he was a heck of a player, too, and he was always running into trouble. Of course, Matuzak passed away in the late, uh, I want to say late 80s, uh, from some, t- I can't remember what uh, what disease he might have had, but uh, John I think it was related to steroids. Perhaps? I do, I do, uh, I do. Uh, like Lyle Alzado, you think about yeah. uh, you, if, if anybody saw how Lyle Alzado uh, ended up, I, I would hope that would have scared everybody off steroids. Yeah, and what was that big tackle for Michigan State back, Manchick or something? Matuzak. No, 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 no. Um, Manch- Manson, no, Manchak, or something like that. What a bust he was. Yeah, number one draft choice, and literally, uh, as he, he got off steroids, he lost all his strength and ability, and I don't think he hung around for two years in the league. No. But anyway, but that's today in sports history, January 30th. Uh, Jeff, don't know if you have anything. Uh, no, just. Maybe I passed over or missed. Nope, nope. Uh, but do want to remind folks we've got some high school basketball tomorrow night. Uh, Lauraville hosting Ascension Episcopal. Uh, we'll be on the air a little after 7 o'clock probably there. And, uh, again, big thanks to Hal Traha, Nish yes. soccer coach, joining us. Appreciate that. And, of course, we thank our sponsors, including the Quarter Tavern and Cane Row Golf and Turf Club, Schwing Insurance Agency, and Jacob Landry, candidate for State rep out of District 49, and I know I'm missing one here. Um, L.A. Classic Roofing, of course. Uh, Appreciate their support of Bayou Sports.